Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, RBC Heritage from Harbortown. First look, recording this on a Saturday afternoon for release on a Sunday morning to get you prepped for the week. There's another DraftKings Millionaire Maker going, so figured a lot of people are going to want to get into it. But there is one tournament that you do want to get into. Link is already out. You hit the description of this podcast, and you will find the link to the Pat Mayo Experience open. There is 4,000 seats available, minus three, because I've taken the first three. It's a three max entry, $15 to enter. And a lot of people have been talking about the wild discrepancy between the payouts and the Millionaire Maker. And look, if you're playing in the Millionaire Maker, you're playing for first place, because the rest of the payout structure is not generous if you, I mean, if you come second, you still get a nice chunk of change, don't get me wrong. But the discrepancy between one and two, a little bit different. If you're looking for something more sustainable that's not a cash game, with a nice first prize, the flat payout structure, because there is no rake in the Pat Mayo Experience Open, is pretty good. First place gets 5000 bucks. second place gets 3000 bucks. It pays all the way through 1,005 seats in the tournament, and you get double your money if you min cash. In it. So it's not like you enter 15 bucks and you get 1750 back if you min cash. No, you get at least 30 on that. So I've always found that, you know, some weeks you're going to cash all three entries, some weeks you're not going to cash all three entries, but it's a good way to sustain yourself a little bit because, you know, one slightly above min cash pays for your week and it does allow you to have some nice scores, even though, you know, you come 12th or 17th or 71st, you still win a nice chunk of money on that one where the strategy behind the millionaire maker, and I want to touch on this at the very beginning beginning just because a lot of people were complaining a lot of new people came in this week who had never played golf before and they're very upset that you know three of six lineups I had a few three of six lineups I had a few six of six lineups we'll see how they end up playing out because obviously the tournament is still going on we got a few runners in the going for the outright winners at least I hope uh, Spieth and Varner can kind of tail off a little bit nice hit with Varner for us though with the first round leader he got a chop for 62 to one so that paid for the entire betting week everything from here on out, is going just to be a gravy on top. So if Bryson can win and Woodland can come like second, that would be fine. Justin Rose could win. I'd also enjoy that. Hopefully Poston can keep his top 20 position. Uh, He's right there right now as I'm speaking. By the time I go back and check, he might be out of that position because there's a lot of really great names at the top of the leaderboard. But it comes down to one of two things. If you're playing in something like the Millionaire Maker or the $5 Giant GPP, is that if you're constructing lineups that you want to win, a lot of times you're going to lose because that's just the way that it rolls. You've put yourself into a position, and we talked about this a lot on last week's show. I wrote about it in my column that you almost have to take the Ricky Abobi approach to GPPs, that you know, you're either first or you're last. And when I say first or last, you're either first or you didn't cash. Like There's no real difference between being in dead last in a GPP or coming just outside of the cash. It all pays zero, uh, and that's most likely to happen. I mean, just just look at the percentages of the tournament. You're more likely to lose than you are to win. But if you do have that good lineup and you do want to cash in, you want to have it be somewhat unique. So there's two ways to do it. You play to win, you're going to lose, but you have a chance to win. You play not to lose with some of these lineups, and you're probably going to lose anyway. So which way do you want to lose, I guess, is the preferred way to go about it in a giant tournament. Do you want to have a lineup that could win if it hits? Yes. Do you want to have a lineup that's probably still not likely to win if it hits, if you're just playing not to lose with all the chalk? Absolutely. And we can just go back and look at who are the chalkiest players from the tournament this week. Webb, 26%. My bad on that one. I went down with the ship with Webb. I really wish I had taken my own advice and faded. Uh, Spieth obviously did very well. Finau doing pretty well. 
English missed the cut. Rom missed the cut. Palmer missed the cut. Rory doing pretty well. JT pretty well. M pretty well. Nah misses the cut. So when you look at like the top 10 in terms of ownership, six of them missed the cut. Um, if that would be the playing not to lose strategy, we were able to pretty accurately project out uh, who was going to be the highest owned. So there you go. Uh, I mean, that's obviously one week. Maybe next week all of the chalk hits, but you really want to kind of pick a lane. A good example of this is I talked about the first first round showdown contest where I took guys in the early wave because I thought it would be hotter in the afternoon, a bit softer of a course in the morning, uh, and then guys who started on hole 10 because they would have a potential wraparound of 17, 18, 1, and 2 for relatively easy holes, 1 and 2 being the two easiest, uh, coming into the week at least, with 3 being very difficult, the beginning of the horrible horseshoe, that if you took those guys, you just have a slightly better chance in order to get the birdie streak, which is huge. I mean, not only in regular, contest but also showdown contest and the funny thing is i won a whole bunch round one in showdown i wish i had played more at this point i ended up winning like 12 millionaire maker tickets with it in like 10 cent tournaments and did really well in the 33 dollar everything like that now is it because of what i thought was going to go into the week no that actually didn't happen not one of my guys actually achieved the birdie bonus by just starting on the back nine but just that isolation of picking guys from that core ended up being the right stack to go with i didn't try to do it the results were not how i was trying to get to them i got to them a different way but i picked a lane and i went with it and it all ended up working out sometimes you have to get lucky with this sort of thing but the more you can make it micro and stack in that way if it does come through for you you're going to look pretty good in that sense i want to let everyone know to smash the like button for the episode please share the show around i don't know how long i'm going to be doing these first looks for but i'm still super pumped golf is back so i want to get in uh, and get people acclimated right now Uh, like i mentioned the link to the pme open is in the description of the podcast podcast also fantasy national unless you are one of the free members i believe you got extended until sunday that will go back behind full-time paywall on monday for everyone who is not a paying member if you do want to become a paying member because you enjoyed what you saw from fantasynational.com fantasynational.com slash mayo will get you 20 percent off uh, obviously the annual is the best deal but if you just want to play the next few weeks the monthly the weekly that's all there too highly recommend everyone go sign up i use it and there's still a chance i could win the millionaire maker right now now, not very likely. It's probably point zero 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 one percent. Need Billy Hor- I need Joaquin Neiman to shoot like a 59 on Sunday. If that happens, could be back in the running here. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to put all my hopes into that basket, though. I mentioned I played the 555 this week, and I picked my worst lineup out of 20 to enter it. I think I may have come dead last. So fun times on that one. Fortunately, it was a free ticket that I had won through a qualifier. Would, uh, would not have felt too good about that. Would have been tilting it a little bit more difficult. Also, please subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. If you're listening to this in the podcast version of the show, I will provide the link to the video. Uh, I'm going to be loading up fantasynational.com right now, so the visuals will go through with it. I will be walking through what I'm talking about at the same time, a lot like I did last week. So maybe the audio will just work for you. If you're out for a a walk and you want to hear a first look on what's going on, then this is just what I'm going to try to provide right now. Let's get into it. Let's uh, flip over to FantasyNational.com and see what's going on. There's the other cool new view, by the way. If you go over to the sneak peek, uh, I don't have a model loaded in right now. This is just the default in alphabetical order, but you can just look at it in a completely different way. If you're more of a visual learner in terms of graphs or if you want to see, like, hey, recent results versus tournament results at Harbortown. I actually have the Harbortown field loaded in, by the way. Uh, I'll flip back to the Charles Schwab in just a moment. Uh, But... 
you can just you know kind of flip in between oh aaron wise no tournament history rbc heritage history for aaron badly guy plays a tournament every single year and you can see how everyone's doing there uh this will become more valuable as we move along solely because you know we're going to get more up-to-date recent results on everything uh the colonial will eventually get loaded if you're looking for the colonial stats that isn't the in line the in tournament live leaderboard those should be updated within a few hours of the actual tournament ending on sunday so obviously i don't have all that information as we do the brief walkthrough and one of the big things that i really like to kind of hunker down on right away is just take a look at the guys who missed the cut i started these guys here at the top uh just these were part of a the player pool that i played this week around 20 lineups 21 players if i had not gone below six thousand dollars i really would have had a good week just when assessing my lineups obviously webb was a bust i think i played him in seven of 20 so that's not good lowry he kind of fucked me as well but i had him paired up with webb a lot so those lineups in general were just dead right away but just looking down the list like lonto todd Collie, Wallace. Out of those four, only Collie ended up making the cut. And those were the last guys in on a lot of teams. That's how I only ended up with two of 26 of sixes. And I think on those two, Keegan and Poston were my two cheapest uh, in terms of the lowest player. So interesting to note that when we talked about course history a little bit last week and how it would work out um, as it pertained to a lot of the, you know, just the new players playing in the tournament, you don't normally get this quality of field at Colonial. Ditto with Harbortown for next week. You know, everyone's there minus Cantley and Tiger again, essentially. That you know, will the general guys who play well every single year, I guess Spieth excluded, Kisner's like having an all right week, but course history didn't really seem to make a factor maybe that was rust related i don't know uh because we'll dig into that a little bit once we look by the round by round so here's the overall live leaderboard if you're looking for it you need to have the ongoing tournament loaded up i have the charles schwab DraftKings pricing loaded up right now you go to in tournament stats again i'm doing this on a saturday afternoon so the third round isn't quite yet completed i like to switch it over to total by the way, over rank, just to kind of look at everything. Uh, for showdown contest, uh, as always, you want to use the approach minus putting. Uh, you really hope that, I mean, they're not even completed their third rounds yet, but Werner and Rose and Spieth and Grace, Thomas and Reed are just torching it on the greens right now, as is Gary Woodland, although the approach for Woodland and Werner incredibly high, and the ball striking tee to green for Bryson is off the charts. So it'd be really nice to see, hopefully Bryson can come back through. He was having a very rough start until he made Eagle uh, into the third round. So hopefully that can get the momentum back going and start draining a few more of these putts. But you know, to gain over for Rose, to gain like over 10 strokes putting in a tournament with like him and Spieth being that low on approach, it's going to be tough to sustain. Not impossible, because both of those guys have done that in the past but interesting to see if you're trying to project forward a little bit what i really wanted to do in this was take a look at some of the guys that we invested in to see if we want to go back to them next week the webs the lowry's uh there's a super sneaky guy uh, on this list as well that we can kind of look at uh, so we see all the 999 guys are the guys who missed the cut obviously and we can just kind of take a scroll through to see what they did and we're just looking at round one only right now uh to see if they were able to improve from day to day to see what happened uh, a little bit so let's take a quick look. Cameron Smith, you know, nothing, nothing much doing here. Here's someone who gained, let's see, around the green. They gained on an approach they gained. That's Brian Stewart. Or he ended up making the cut this week. Uh, but you know, the ball striking ended up lacking through the third round. Day, bad off the tee, bad on approach. Dustin actually gained on both, could not chip anywhere around the green. That's going to be pretty interesting because he's played Harbortown a bunch of times in the past. He's an RBC guy. No one's going to use him next week because they're just 
anyone who used no one wanted to use him to begin with he was low owned anyone who used him this week at his price point definitely doesn't want to go back after he screwed over all of your lineups here but he is someone where around the green is likely to not matter all that much uh, at harbor town the greens are really small but it's a place where you just want to be hitting greens in regulation over and over and over and over like uh, when we go and look at it when i go to the course breakdown you'll see that around the green doesn't pop up very highly in guys that are at the top of the leaderboard now if you're missing greens in regulation you're not going to be making enough birdies so you know at that point it really doesn't matter anymore you're gonna have to get yourself up and down that's a really weird number for dustin though 1.4 strokes lost in two rounds around the green let's see here's a pop number cameron smith really good off the tee couldn't really do anything else in round one Kevin Streelman actually gained across the board, lost almost three strokes putting. Uh, Grio and Bill Haas very much the same way in round one. Uh, Leishman gained a ton on approach. Uh, we know he had that horrendous start to the round, rallied back, but ended up missing the cut in round two. Nah and Graham McDowell, two other players who had approach working in round one, along with Carlos Ortiz. Uh, and Chez Reby, oh, minus 3.3 strokes putting, along with Henrik Norlander, that same way, too, in terms of ball striking. And Von, T- Von Taylor actually should have had a much better round. We'll dig into his round two stats to see how he ended up working out. But the big one for me was going to be Webb. So Webb had a horrendous day-day one. I think he lost in all four strokes gained across the board, but a lot in terms of putting. Gained off the tee in round two, gained almost two and a half strokes through approach, lost around the greens, and lost... Uh, putting so it was a really bad round for Webb, but I'm curious to go back and see as someone I had money I want to know why why he did this what happened with him so the last time that he lost more than two strokes putting in three consecutive rounds you'd have to go back to the Northern Trust BMW BMW Uh, in his past 50 rounds he's done it once so maybe he can get that back going it does seem like especially with the approaches which seemed really bizarre to me the last time Uh, Tour champion, tour championship, BMW is the last time that he had lost in three consecutive rounds on approach. So it's nice to see him rebound a little bit. And generally speaking, he's always hot fire with the irons. Uh, When we look over the past 50 rounds in general, entering this tournament, he was sixth, averaging 0.7 per round. So close to just over three, just around three uh, per tournament, which is really nice. And when you get back on Bermuda grass, when we look at Webb splits, uh, you can see that he's always just a much better putter on Bermuda than he is on Bent. I really should have put more stock into that. He's about neutral, zero strokes gained, uh, no positive, no negative on Bent, which it was this week at Colonial at Harbor Town. It's going to be Bermuda, where he is a pretty excellent putter uh, over time. Uh, it was nice to see him actually gain strokes off the tee too. We've been seeing that, you know, at Sony at. Uh, at Phoenix when he ended up winning. He did that again this week, uh, a slight positive. He can be a slight positive again at Harbortown. That's going to be very encouraging. I don't know. He's one of these guys that strikes me as that, People will say, like, oh, Webb screwed me so much as the highest owned player. I'm not going back to him, but he's going to be like $9,100 probably. He might be 25 to one in the betting market. I will bet him and play him at both those prices. He's back at a more, I mean, not to say that he had played poorly at Colonial before. He had a mixed history, but with some very high upside, this is a much better spot for him. Lowry was the other one I kind of wanted to get to. Oh, don't want to do that. I want to search by Shane Lowry. Let's see here. So, zero on approach. Let's see if we just took a look at all rounds. Uh, first rounds one and two for the guys who missed the cut Let's see positive 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 lost almost five and a half strokes putting not great uh, Lowry is someone that I liked as a sneaky play in the 8200 range he was bad 
very bad. And he normally putts well on bent, did not this week. So you have to kind of think to yourself, was this rust related? Was it surface related? And a lot of the stuff is just going to be unknowable. But when we go back and look at his heritage numbers, let's see here. Twice he's made the cup both times. Third last year, uh, gained on putting in both of those years. Was really good there last year. Couldn't gain on approaches. But uh, he's a very spotty guy to begin with. Last time he played on Bermuda, he actually gained uh, 1.2 at the Honda. We were on him that week, too. Had one really bad round. But overall, uh, you can see that he's going to be a relatively inconsistent player. You'd hope that the off the tee works out a little bit for him. Uh, and you hope the approaches come along and the putter goes back to flipping into neutral. He's someone I can, again, see myself getting back on for the week solely because I wasn't really deterred all that much by the very poor ball striking for the week. Um, if we take a look now at those are the guys who made the cut. Uh, now we'll go back and kind of look at some of the guys who lost a bunch of strokes putting this week uh, who ended up missing the cut. So, you know, Dustin off the tee gained a bunch. Not very good with the irons in the second round. So that's somewhat worrisome. 3.3 strokes lost for Mickelson. Let's see if we can find guys who pop up here. Streelman actually gained a bunch. Uh, both in ball striking, as did Grio Grio, minus 4.6 strokes putting. Here was the big one, though. Bill Haas. Bill Haas lost almost nine strokes putting in two rounds. Bill Haas, if you do not remember, was actually a part of that gigantic team I had at the RBC Heritage two years ago when Kadira won, where I ended up coming third in the $5 birdie for 20 k uh, He's just someone who has played Heritage pretty well over the years. I would not, I, I'm very curious to know how many strokes he's ever lost in a tournament at Heritage in the past. Not to say that he can't do it again, because he's been bad on the greens, as we've seen since he returned from that car accident last year year mostly in the negatives and this is someone who used to be a pretty good putter at least neutral putter obviously he's not the same player that he used to be but heritage let's see rbc heritage seventh in 2018 gained almost seven on the greens lost when he missed the cut almost four and two rounds lost 0.5 i mean listen if he wants to strike the ball as well as he did this week he can lose 0.5 on the greens over the course of a tournament that's not so bad came 14th lost two uh, lost 0.2 when he came 24th, lost 1.5. So it hasn't been a great run on the greens for Bill Haas. It was just really weird to see him essentially still almost, I mean, put it this way, through where we're at right now, through 12 holes with Harold Varner through two and a half rounds, he has 4.5 strokes gained on approach through the tournament. Bill Haas has 4.4, and he finished five over par. So uh, it's going to be incredibly difficult for Bill Haas to lose that many strokes again. Grio. You know, you can see it. The guy does this almost every single week, but it was encouraging to see that the ball striking was there. I told you Webb gained 1.2, 1.6 off of the tee through the course of the two rounds. And he had the really good second round with approach over two strokes on approach. That's how bad his day one was. So nice to see him kind of shake that off. Very similar to something Phil did a few years ago. Uh, he had a really bad round one, two years ago when he won at Pebble Beach, a really bad round one uh, after an extended little layoff. And then in round two, he had a really good round, but he had missed the cut because he had taken himself so far out of it then he goes on to win the next week sometimes it just takes one round uh, to figure it all out leishman uh, i remember two years ago he missed the cut at heritage and let's see some more guys here not nah, mcdowell graham's won at heritage in the past uh, it's his kind of course you know it could get really windy at heritage so it's interesting to see some of these guys that you know really lost with the flatsick josh teeter minus 6.5 strokes game putting good off the tee gained on approach gained around the greens so, so these are going to be some of the sleeper guys that i'm looking at if i'm trying to parse out uh who did some damage oh tom lewis as well very low price very poor on the green 
Canes, but gained in both ball striking categories. As you can see, you're still going to need to putt. You can't just be a disaster on the greens when it all comes down to it. So that's just kind of the quick look that I wanted to give. We'll go through all the guys who made the cut on Monday's show or on Tuesday's show. I'll be back with Feinberg probably midday Monday uh, in the morning on Tuesday, then the live chat on Wednesday, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So we're going to have all of the regular uh, golf shows rolling back out. So, again, this show is just for me to talk through my process a little bit. Let's switch over to RBC Heritage Field this week and see what's going on. Uh, let's check out the uh, the sneak peek on the stat engine again, just to see that, again, that visual type of learning if you want to get into it with everything. Uh, we can check out the course breakdown, the past course conditions, the recent results. Uh, in ter- Actually, probably not need to look at the recent results because we know what's going to happen this week. But if we take a look at the breakdown of the course, uh, there's no real wraparound advantage here as it pertains to daily showdown. So the top 10 finishers approach and putting really come through off the tee and around the green weighted wise uh, in terms of the top 10 is about even approach is really what matters here. Uh, If you go back and check out, uh, I reread my article from the past two years and something that you always do want to make note on is that players tend to come from behind at this course. Uh, I mean, could I, I think it was like six out of seven years i can't recall when ct pan won last year where he was sitting but the last year's results were pan kuchar lowry piercy poston uh, in the historic conditions, the greens tend to play pretty firm. Bermuda grass greens, it comes in around 7,100 yards, so even shorter, but with an extra par 5 uh, to this week. A par 71 is that it generally pay, it plays. If the wind picks up, uh, we can see you know it plays average to difficult, not an easy course, very tree-lined at Harbortown. Again, the course history is going to be kind of out the window a little bit, solely because we're getting a far stronger field than we normally see in this event. Like, Rory doesn't never normally play in this event and you know dustin is really because he's an rbc guy the one that we always see cantley plays this every single year and isn't playing it this year i really found that odd and again we were really hoping to get um tiger woods here's this new view again by the way and you can trim it to everything you want um want to go in you can edit your models i haven't completely played around with this i think i'm going to have moose on uh who designed this entire thing to really walk me through it i still like the initial version just because i'm used to it a little bit more uh so when i load up the heritage i'm going to load in my custom stat model uh colonial pretty good the active one i would i wonder i'll go back and maybe do a reassessment of that i know varner ranked really highly and i didn't play him so you know that makes me an idiot so we'll see how we did with harbortown do i have it under harbortown or do i have heritage worked is what i have of course it did this is the site of my most successful tournament of all time so i'll reload that and i'll end up tinkering it around with it again just a little bit uh, once we go back to it so again bermuda firm uh, it's easy to average to hit fairways here. But again, this course isn't so much as about hitting it into the middle of the fairway. Sometimes where it is tree line and there's a few dog legs, a lot like Colonial, is that you're almost better off being on the rough on the right-hand side of some holes to give yourself a clear shot at the green. That's where experience does come in handy, just a little bit. Whereas you don't want to be on the left side of the fairway because then you don't have a full shot at the green. There are trees that overhang. So just having that little bit of knowledge, maybe if the players get there a little bit early, that they can figure that out for themselves. But that's always something to note that you don't need to be. Accuracy, by and large, does help. uh, But just sometimes laying up a little bit to give yourself the proper shot into the green is somewhere where you want to be. 
Let's get out of this view, go back to the normal view. So past 50 rounds, my custom stat model of the players in the field. Let's see who ranks out really well. Oh, good. Rory, Thomas, Rom. No change from last week. We'll see when the update of the stats from last week get put in. Hideki is back in the field this week. Uh, Webb still rates out fifth. He'll probably drop a little bit because of the two very poor rounds. But if I look at past 50, it won't be that big of a deal. Morikawa is super interesting this week. Uh, not to say that he isn't going to end up winning at Colonial, not sure where he's going to end up finishing, but his biggest drawback is always around the green. If we're de-emphasizing that a little bit this week, I have it at 10%. Um, that is going to be something where if he's going to hit all these greens in regulation, he's not going to have to rely on around the green all that much. I remember Dillette was really cruising here a few years ago, and he had hit like 100% of his greens in regulation through like three and a half rounds. Finally got the yips, uh, then he ended up making like triple bogeys and taking himself out of it. Also of note, this is one of the smallest greens complexes on tour. So not a lot of three putts because the greens aren't so big that you're going to three putt a lot. So keep that in mind as well as we're going through all of this. Uh, Let's see. Anyone just randomly? Van Royen, Hovland, Eric Van Terrell Hatton's back in the field. Cameron Tringali's back in the field. He rates out really highly. Um, let's see, not great at the par fives, but in terms of approach, he's been really good over the past 50 rounds. You're going to have to play this one kind of by ears. We saw that some guys came back without any sort of rust whatsoever. Uh, and then there's going to be a few more people. I wonder who rates out really poorly. Bo Van Pelt. Good God. What is this? 2002. Uh, so we know who not to play from the bottom. Oh, Siwoo rates out 148th, lost in a playoff here to my guy Kadira two years ago. But uh, always someone who generally plays Pete Dye courses really well. If you're on Fantasy National and do just want to sort instead of the custom model by Pete Dye courses only, you can get a very good track full of that. Uh, if you want to go check that out. Let's see who gains on approach the most. We kind of peg that as some of the highest ones. Morikawa, Thomas, Grio. Let me guess. Grio has played really well here in the past. I, do I even want to see how well he's played and force me to end up playing him? Because the ball striking, like I mentioned, was there. Heritage twice made the cut twice, never gained on putting. Kind of killed a tee to green, though. Not shocking, being Emiliano Grio. Maybe this is the week. He, maybe he goes full Corey Connors this week and actually like makes the cut and putts well. Be nice to see. Uh, let's see the strokes gain leaderboard to see where all the players came from last year. CT Pan lost off the tee, putted the lights out. Good with approach. Kucher barely gained on approach and gained almost 10 strokes putting. You'll see each of the top nine players on the leaderboard, 10 lead players on the leaderboard, all gained on putting. Merritt was the highest to actually lose strokes putting. Uh, but you'll see some of the guys like Poston. Gained a bunch off the tee, bunch on approach, very good at ball striking. Uh, didn't have to gain too, too much. Like, you're probably going to have to gain at least three strokes putting if you want to win a tournament. It's very rare that you're going to see players lose either on approach or on putting and end up winning. It happens infrequently throughout the course of the year. But uh, just by and large, you just want to be good kind of across the board and hope to have a spike week. Like, this Piercy week, if you hadn't bled the strokes around the green, the four and a half strokes was probably good enough to win based on how well he was playing with his irons and off the tee. Uh, so interesting to see when it comes down to that. Lowry actually gained on approaches this week at Colonial. So you know you probably don't expect players to gain four strokes around the green all that often. But crank that back up a little bit, gain around four on the greens, gain you know three or so off the tee, and all of a sudden you're, you're back at the top of the leaderboard again. Let's see, Nah popped up, Merritt, Kokrak uh, ended up storming on Sunday. He just barely snuck into the cut. I recall that because I had him in a bunch of lineups. Let's look at two years ago to see how players went about it. Uh, in terms of strokes gained approach, the leaders, we, Kim, List, Grio, Bryson, Piercy, Knox, Kadira, Landry, 
uh, and Cantlay. So you're going to see those guys pop up. Who was second? Oh, yeah, it was uh, Siwoo. Did a lot of damage just kind of across the board. You can gain a lot of strokes here uh, and end up very much inside of the top 10, as we see, and pop up. Like Dustin just couldn't chip or putt at this tournament two years ago. Ended up coming 16th. I believe he also made a nice run on Sunday as well. You know, Horschel and Siwoo have played well here going off the tee. I just, this is almost lending me towards Bryson a little bit because he's been gaining so much off the tee. And that's really the course history thing that doesn't show itself. When you look at the players who gain the most off the tee, generally speaking, uh, outside of a few outliers, it's going to be uh, a lot of the very top end players in the world. Let's just take a look at the overall strokes gained past 50 rounds in terms of the tournament at the Heritage and see who the best players off the tee are. I'd be guessing that outside like your champs and maybe your Keith Mitchells, although Keith Mitchell back on Bermuda uh, could be a play here off the tee. Rory, Vegas, Hovland, Bryson, Dustin, Bubba, all on the field at Heritage, uh, Scheffler, Connors, and Kokrak. Uh, generally, you don't get, I mean, Bryson's new, newly formed off the tee game is just out of this world. So we're going to get Bryson and Hovland and Rory uh, and Bubba at Heritage, along with Scheffler, guys that you don't normally see. They're Justin Thomas inside the top 10. You don't normally see him or John Rahm at the RBC Heritage. So it'll be interesting to see the interjection of these guys into the field that all of a sudden when we go back and we look at the breakdown of everything where for, you know, for the top five finishers you know it's almost three times weighted on approach versus off the tee that interjecting these great off the tee players evens that out a little bit that's going to be kind of the give and take that you have to put into yourself a little bit this week when you're weighting everything looking at the whole compositions of the course we got five between 450 400 and 450 and another four between 450 and 500 not as many short shorties as we saw this week uh, at Cologne so maybe the bomb and gouge can work if the players have it figured out from a strategic perspective three putts per round like i mentioned lower than your average tour event because of the small greens accuracy a bit higher than normal the green regulation percentage again it logically speaking it's going to be a whole lot lower because of the smaller greens but the up and down shouldn't be quite as difficult either so it's very interesting to go into it. So I mentioned some of the guys I like. I'm very curious to see. I think I'm going to have Raza on the show this week if he's available. He's always a Bill Haas guy. Bill Haas will probably come in at like the min price this week. So I'm very curious to see how that ends up going for him if we end up on him trying to build like a super studs lineup. And just looking at... Well, I mentioned a lot of these top guys at Colonial missed the cut, whether it be Rom or re- whether it be Webb or Ricky or Dustin. If you look at the rest of the guys at the top of the leaderboard, besides Varner and besides Spieth, it's all of the very top guys. So maybe trying to fill in a superstars and super studs, superstars and super scrubs lineup, if you can accurately pick those scrubs, might be a way that you can really break the system. Because so few players, like I mentioned off the top, they want to play not to lose. And playing not to lose doesn't facilitate those, to- those types of lineups lineups that if you did want to go with that that could be a way to do it so oh i'm going to end up writing my column doing some more research i just want to get a ground floor of where i'm at this week what i'm looking for using the fantasy national system and doing my research for the week again i'm always going to look at some other things i'll read up on my past columns before i write the one this week to see how it adjusted year from year and i'm sure that everyone has their own style that they want to go through but if you do want to become a member at fantasy national like i mentioned fantasynational.com slash mayo to get yourself 20 percent off there's an offer code you can just put in mayo it does exactly the same thing highly recommend that you do that especially if you want to get into the golf play in the pat mayo experience open link in the description of this podcast uh, if you're on the video version we can't post those links to youtube so the that will take you to the audio version where the full link will be and just go 
through it through there. That's where you can find it every single week. Uh, I'm not sure, like I mentioned, if I'm going to continue to do these shows. I'm not sure how helpful they are. Uh, it's nice for me to kind of walk through it, give you guys my thought process. I always like to hear your feedback on this sort of stuff. Uh, you know, just to kind of update yourself with what's going on for the week. Uh, so if I got time on Saturdays or potentially Sunday mornings, uh, you know, it's nice to get out of the house. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you at this point. I can sit in here, watch some golf at the office, research some golf for the next week, uh, and get a head start on my column. So it's for you, at least before we record the show on Monday mornings with Jeff. Hopefully they put up the pricing early and Jeff and I can go as early as possible. But, well, it will be wait, wait to be seen. There's no odds out. There's no DraftKings pricing out as of yet uh, as I record this, so that's just the way that it's going to be. Please subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience Audio Podcast. Leave that five-star review. Share the show around. That always goes a long way in helping us keep this show free. And smash the like button to the episode and give me your early sleeper for the RBC Heritage, one of the most fun tournaments to watch every single year. We didn't have any weather this week at Colonial. I'm guessing we're going to have some weather concerns this week at Harbortown. So those AM, PM splits, which I'll reveal on the Wednesday show when I do the live chat and the update for everything, uh, could come into play this week. So don't make your lineups too early. Don't make your picks too early. You might want to T-stack uh, as we go along or potentially target some first-round leaders. The mistake I made this week, it worked out because Varner ended up hitting, but I probably would like to T-stack a little bit more than I did this week, or at least consult with the weather before not thinking about anything and just getting too excited. So patience, always the key. It's easy to preach, hard to put in practice. I myself am guilty of not having any patience a lot of the time, but I'm going to try to be better you too. All right? I'm Pat Mayo. Have a great week and hope we come through with some winners. We'll find out on Monday's show if that did come through. Hopefully Bryson just wins and Jeff and I can both be winners when it comes down to it, but we'll see how it goes. Thank you for watching. I'll see you next time. Family experience! Experience!